Welcome back, everybody. It's time to meet our community, the Hispanic business community here in Orange County. Powered by the Orange County Hispanic Chamber of Commerce and Orange County's only community radio station, OC Talk Radio. Streaming live from our studios here at the University of California, Irvine's Beale Applied Innovation Center. With the man who is out in the community each and every week. I don't know about today. It's a little rainy, but uh, he's out there. (laughs) He's out there recruiting people. And uh, who'd you bring in today here? Thank you, Paul, and and thank you, everyone, for joining us once again to our community podcast show powered by the Orange County Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. I'm your host, John Gutierrez, Senior Vice President here. And again, we have another great organization and a special guest. Her name is Norma Mendoza, a Diversity Recruitment Coordinator at CASA, which is Court Appointed Special Advocates. CASA provides a powerful voice and a meaningful connection for children who have experienced abuse, neglect, and abandonment. Let's welcome Norma Mendoza. Thank you for being here today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk a little bit more about CASA. Awesome, awesome. We just, today's a very important show because here at the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, we love supporting and partnering with organizations like yourselves and I think it's important that the community understands the great things that you're doing for the children in our community. And so let's start off by sharing with everyone a quick overview of what CASA is, if you don't mind sharing with us here. Yeah, of course. So CASA stands for Court Appointed Special Advocates. And essentially what we do is we recruit, train, and support community volunteers to advocate and mentor children in the foster care system. And so what they do is they go on outings with the youth, they get to know them on a one-on-one basis, and especially get to know their needs and wants on a one-on-one basis. And then the really important piece of our program, too, is that they get to report back to the court to make recommendations in the case. And so any observations that the volunteer made in the outings with the youth, anything that they think might be helpful for the judge to know is something that they can let them know so that the judge has more information and they can make more holistic decisions in the case of the youth. I think it's important for everybody listening and watching us that today is not just about how and what CASA does, but also, I love this that you shared with us earlier before the show, time, treasure, or talent are three different components you can get involved with CASA. And I think we're going to hit all those points today, if I'm correct here. Um, And I'd love to make sure that, that all of us that are listening understand that if you can't volunteer, it's okay. You can donate. If you can't donate, you can volunteer. Or, you know, maybe you can provide something for CASA that they need, that they're searching for, right? Some sort of resource, some sort of support. And so share with us and everybody the stats. What's important information people need to understand why CASA does what they do? Yeah, for sure. Um, So essentially, we know that we serve a lot of youth through our programs. We know that there are over 3,000 children in the dependency system, traditionally known as foster care in Orange County. And so with that comes a disproportionality of demographics. And so the volunteers that we have right now versus the youth that we serve, sometimes those demographics don't always match up. And so the biggest need that we have, for example, is more male volunteers. That's not to say that a female volunteer with a male youth could could not be wonderful and do wonderful advocacy work. We do have a lot of those matches. But research also tells us that male youth with a positive male role model in their lives just does better. They are 
less likely to do drugs, more likely to do better in school and just have a general well-being. Um, and so that's one of our biggest needs right now. More uh, male mentors. More male mentors. More yeah. male mentors. Everybody listening, all of us that are out there that are you know involved in different organizations, this is a key component to the difference these young leaders in our community are going to grow up to be these young children, right? Yeah. Um, and it's always about just, um, you know, that different layer of understanding when it comes to family dynamics or when it comes to their cultural background. Another one of the needs that we have is more Spanish speakers. And so, para nuestra comunidad allá, si están escuchando, we definitely need a lot more Hispanic Latinx volunteers. Same thing, you know, I'm an immigrant to this country. And so I came here when I was 13. From and where? From Mexico, Monterrey. No Monterrey, mm-hmm. okay. Shout out to your parents <laughs> and your family. That's awesome. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Um, and that's also to say I had a village of people that helped me in, in my in my growing up years. I know you've been at Casa three years. Three years, yeah. How did you get involved? I know you shared it with me a little bit before the show. What brought you there? How did you end up at this great organization? Yeah, so I started, um, I went to Chapman University and I studied as an intern my last year of college. And I started in the volunteer recruitment department. And then essentially when I graduated, it was brought on to staff. Um, and I was just driven to service. I think that um, I was part of an organization that uh, worked with CASA during college. And um, after that, I just fell in love with the mission, with the work that we do. And I've just remained on staff because I love the people and the work that we do and the impact that we get to make. Yeah, the first time I ever heard of Casa was through Patty Juarez, who's, of course, uh, one of our former chair here at, at the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce for our board and a great supporter of our chamber. She's, of course, with those Wells Fargo. And I know she was also, she's part of your board, right? Yeah, she was part of our board. Um, she's part of our board. She was our, our board chair um, in the past few years. And she's done some wonderful work, like you said. To have the representation of a Latina on our board is is wonderful. And as I was saying before, as an immigrant, I, I speak English, but I think and feel in Spanish. And so that extra layer of understanding for our kid, kids in foster care is super important because they're in a time where it's super tumultuous. There's a lot of instability. There's a lot of uncertainty. They've been taken away from basically all they know. And so having someone that, again, understands their cultural dynamics, their family dynamics, and, and can help them during that time um, is, is really important for us. I would encourage anybody that, that is listening, go visit the website because I went on there, as I do most of the time when we're going to interview somebody on the podcast show, and it's a great story that it tells there. You see a different perspective from, you know, the story that was told there was from a young man who, for example, I think his mom passed away, mm-hmm. and now his dad was raising him, him and his siblings, and then unfortunately he was dealing with drug problems, the father. This is the kind of the story it tells there, right? And now he was having to go into foster care mm-hmm. and the brothers and him were split up. And now he's dealing with all this emotion, right? And he's gone to two or three different elementary schools mm-hmm. and how that's affecting him. He misses his brothers. Obviously he's dealing with bereavement with his mother passing, dealing with the fact that his dad now is, you know, unfortunately maybe you know, not in the right place in his life with drugs or whatever it may be. And now he's in this world by himself without no mom, no dad, not even his brothers. Mm -hmm. And they're in different, you know, foster cares. And so, and then it tells a great story of on the other side, how the young man that comes into Casa to mentor Mm -hmm. um, starts, you know, just meeting with him, talking with him yeah, and getting involved with his life. And hopefully eventually, of course, sees him graduate from high school Mm -hmm. and move on to college and having somebody like cheer you on 
and it, and it just when you're watching this on the website it really gives you that feeling of you know as a mentor you're bringing to the table to this young man or young woman purpose, mm-hmm. right? That's kind of what I got out of it. And it's hope too. You right? know, it's someone who continues. It's an adult that the youth know is not getting paid. Um, so that all the adults that are in their in their case, let's say, are social workers and attorneys and foster parents and and guardians. And so all those people are getting paid. And um, the the youth know that our volunteers are there for them and only them because they want to, because they believe that they matter, because they believe they're important, because they believe that they deserve a chance. Uh, at, a, at a better life and that's what our volunteers get to do a lot of the times it's little things that we don't think about for example we had a, a youth who wanted to start working and they were 16 so the the job choices were limited because they were 16 so they started applying to fast food places and then finally the casa was able to help them make sure they had the proper clothing for their interview that they had their resume on hand they had everything prepared for the interview the youth ended up getting the job, and then a few months later, the CASA sort of checked in and asked how they were, they were doing with their finances, how they were saving their money, and those things, and the youth said, oh, well, I'm not getting paid. And so the CASA kind of, you know, got scared and said, well, I'm, I'm, mm. I'm sure we did all your paperwork, mm-hmm. like, what? let's see what's going on. Turns out that the youth said, I'm just getting these papers, I'm not getting money. Well, they were pay stubs and they were checks. And so it's something that you don't think about, like who's telling the youth how to open up a bank account? Who's telling them what the difference is between a credit card and a debit card? How to deposit a check? How much you should save? And that's just in terms of finances. When you think about life skills daily and depending on the the age of the youth, they're different. But college exploration, um, how to get a driver's license. Now you're not gonna be teaching them how to drive, of course, um, but you'll be pointing them to the resources they need that you know adults in your life are supposed to do you know i think for me as a father of two young men my son's a, a sophomore in high school all the things you just said like hit home for me absolutely because as i'm driving my son to school every morning we talk about all these things we're mm-hmm. talking about him getting this permit right now i've been taking him to you know driving in myself with him um you know just things like everything you hit you don't realize these young men or young women don't have yeah. That, that us as parents with our children, the little things that every day we're feeding them that we don't realize we're, we're giving them, whereas these children don't have that, right? And also just experiences. We'd be surprised how many youth uh, currently in foster care in Orange County have never seen the ocean. And we have so many beautiful beaches around. But when you think about it, who's taking them there? Who's um, taking the time out of work? Or who has money to put in their gas tank to be able to take them to the beach? Um, so all of those things. Who's keeping track of doctor's appointments? Uh, when the last time they had a vision check was all of those things that, again, we sometimes may take for granted when we were growing up. And our youth in foster care really need that support. Wow, I know you had gone through some stats. Is there other stats you want to share that I that I'm missing? I just want to make sure. Um, no, I mean I share that 15% of our volunteer base is male compared to a 45, 50% of our youth, and then in terms of Hispanic volunteers, Latinx volunteers, we have about 13% of our volunteer base compared to 60% of our um, youth who are Hispanic Latinx. That's why you're here at the Orange County Hispanic Chamber of Commerce Community Podcast Show. Mm-hmm. We need more males. And we need more Hispanic bilingual mm-hmm. males or females yes. um, to support such a great organization. And that is what we talked about here at the, Di- the diversity committee part of it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How so that's key for you guys. I'm also proud to lead our diversity committee. We are focusing on uh, recruiting volunteers that mirror the demographics of the youth that we serve. And our committee is comprised of current staff members, community members, um, some board members as well, to make sure really that we're taking this at every level of the organization. And yeah, our biggest focus is that recruitment of more males and Spanish-speaking volunteers for our youth, which are the biggest needs on the wait list. How do 
people volunteer? For everyone listening, how do they volunteer? If they're listening and they're like, I really want to get involved, what do they do? Where do they go? Yeah, so you can visit our website, uh, www.casaoc.org, and that's essentially where you can sign up for an information session. So you attend an information session, which goes just in-depth about the program and the roles and responsibilities. And then after that, you will um, submit an application, interview with one of our advocate supervisors, and then you'll begin training. We have a really extensive training that prepares our potential volunteers for really anything that they might come across uh, during their time as a volunteer. And that training consists of some online portions some um, in-person portions and then after that you're essentially given a match you um, read their file to make sure that you're willing to take this case and then you do your initial visit and you're kind of up, up and running I think that's great that for everyone listening that you understand that if you're a volunteer they're not just gonna throw you out there no all right sink or swim no you're gonna get some training some good advice yeah you're going to get a lot of the what other people have gone through already, right? Prepare them. For sure. And then every uh, every volunteer is matched with an advocate supervisor who's essentially their point of contact throughout their time um, as a volunteer. And, and fun fact, a lot of our advocate supervisors were actually CASAs themselves prior to joining staff. And so they really know what it's like to be in your shoes as a CASA volunteer, which I think just adds an extra layer of support for, for our volunteers. It sounds like you have a great Casa community. Yes. For my for everything you're sharing with us, right? And the other thing I want to point out, I know you shared the website, but I also know that they have a really good, uh, really nice Instagram, which yeah. is Casa OC also on mm-hmm. Instagram. For those of you that maybe are not going to websites, but you're on social media, there's a lot of great photos, great information. So feel free to go there too. Now, let's let's go into. I know there's a waiting list, right? Share with us. Why is there a waiting list? What's mm-hmm. going on? So there are over 3,000, I think it's closer to 3,530 children in dependency foster care in Orange County. And so unfortunately, we do not have the resources to serve every child. Um, that's one of our visions for the future, to be able to serve every child in foster care. But that's just not the reality right now. And so because of that, there's uh, at any point a, a given number of youth on our wait list. Currently, that's 191 youth waiting to be matched with an advocate. That's 191 children who you know, are in foster care, who feel uncertain about their situation and are waiting for someone to, to come and mentor and advocate for them. That's heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking. And, and the reasons why children may stay on the wait list um, are, are some of the reasons that I mentioned. And so someone comes onto our wait list and we essentially assess the situation and see if we have volunteers that will meet the specific needs of of the child or their caregivers. So when we talk about more Spanish-speaking volunteers, sometimes Spanish might be the first language of the child, but they do speak English, but their caregivers might be Spanish-speaking only. And so all those interactions can, can just go better when it when someone knows their language and so the biggest reason why some children might remain on the wait list for a long time is because we don't have those men and spanish-speaking volunteers for them so currently those are the biggest needs on the wait list but we also have other um, needs we have nonverbal autistic children on our wait list um, and so if you are someone who has done that work in the past and feel confident to to give us your skills in that er- uh, arena we definitely need that support. There's also short-term cases for youth. Um, in California, youth are able to stay within foster care up until they're 21 if they opt into it. Mm-hmm. And so 18 to 21 is a really important transition because that's when you're learning where you're going to live, especially yeah. for youth in foster care. And so we have three cases of those young adults who could need that support. So if you're someone who's really good at setting up people with finances and, and living situations. And I know, I know I've heard, and you can correct me here if I'm wrong, but that 18 to 21 age group is so key that they don't end up in the streets homeless yeah. because of 
everything that's now happening, like, you know, you were being mentored, you were, you were being given all the support from this organization, right? And now they have that fear of like, I'm going to become an adult. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen to me? Yeah. Right? And Who's going to be there for me, right? And there's that that fear of that, right? I know Paul's giving me the thumbs up because he's a foster parent and, and, and this is something we've all talked about before. But that's key, right? That yeah. age group. Absolutely. And I think it's it's just... I want you to think back to when you were 18. When I was 18, I did not feel that I was ready to be a self-sufficient adult without the support of my parents and my network. And it's unfair of us to ask our young people in foster care to go out into the world and be productive members of society if they don't have those resources and haven't had those resources for for their time in foster care. And so all of those things about setting up a bank account, you know, where you're going to live, how to budget, who's teaching those things, you know, how to meal plan and make sure that you have food uh, uh, available to you, all of those things. So I personally didn't feel ready at 18 and I don't think most of us are. So it really is, like you said, an instrumental time in their lives. I know that with my son, we often talk about, I start, I'm trying to prepare him from college, right? And even though he's a sophomore in high school, we talk about, Hey, listen, when you get to college, it's a whole different ballgame than yeah. this. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have people waking you up. You got to wake up on your own, <laughs> right? You don't have somebody telling you, you got to go to class. You either go or you don't. Mm-hmm. If you don't, you're going to fail. The professor doesn't care. Mm-hmm. I mean, they care to a certain extent, but it's like you're paying them. Right. To It's now your responsibility. Right? Yeah. And so as a parent, it's like, yeah, we're going to be there, like kind of reminding our children once they're in college, mm-hmm. hey, are you getting up? Are you going to class? Because <laughs> we all know that. That word procrastination kicks in, you know, in those mm-hmm. years. So, as a mentor in casa, that is such a key thing for these young, uh, you know, coming out of high school into college students. Yeah, and without that support, I mean, even with those extra three years that that youth get in foster care in California, if they opt into it, we still know that by the age of twenty-four, half of the youth. Uh, formerly in foster care will be unemployed and one in five will become homeless by the time they emancipate from from care which like you said are really daunting statistics Mm -hmm. that we're sending out our young Mm -hmm. people into the world without the proper resources to be able to do that and so that's what casa volunteers are able to do one in five will become homeless one in five that is within one year of emancipating that is a very scary statistic and it's a very sad statistic because when you think about it 58 percent of youth uh in foster care will graduate from high school and so without a high school diploma it's harder to secure employment without employment it's harder to secure housing but when you place a casa in the life of a youth that graduation rate goes up to 92 percent 92 percent so that is a huge gap yeah from 50 58 to 92 percent and that gap will just mean the world in terms of outcomes for for our youth after after high school and this is why it's so important to volunteer let's again go through the three points (laughs) time treasure or talent meaning either you volunteer your time right you donate to casa Mm -hmm. right or if there's any resources or talent or anything you can provide as far as mentorship, right? Yeah. Because it's so important that we're doing this for our youth. Share with us a little bit more about um, you know what you have here yeah. as far as information that we. It's important we share with everybody. This is such key information. Yeah, a couple other things from the waitlist that I think it's important to to highlight are LGBTQ plus youth are overrepresented in foster care. Thirty percent of youth in child welfare are LGBTQ plus, and sometimes because they are LGBTQ plus, is that they're in 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 dependency and so their family is not accepting them and so because of that we also have a a a big need for lgbtq plus volunteers or people who are you know affirming and accepting of our youth because 
our LGBTQ plus youth also deserve to have of course. role models that, of that everybody, are successful. Everybody deserves a fair chance. Exactly. I mean, that's the reality. Everybody deserves a mentor yeah. and a fair chance. And then there's another thing that sometimes it's a little bit different, uh, but we do now are seeing some crossovers in terms of juvenile hall and dependency. And so we currently have three young adults in juvenile hall that are part of the CASA program that could need support. Um, they're on our wait list and uh, the advocacy looks different. You know, you're not going to be taking them out into the community and, and doing all these fun things. You're going to go visit them in juvenile hall. But some people are called to that work as well. And so that's they don't also- have any parent to basically visit them or see them or anything like that. So they're they're really off on their own in the world. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's uh, wow. just an extra layer of, of, of uh, complication for sure. Well, it's, it's heartbreaking. It it's, is. It's yeah. I mean, uh, as it is. It's hard enough not having the parents' support, but it's another thing now you're in juvenile hall. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just, uh, there was a quote that I shared with my friends earlier about a doctor that said, you know, and I forget the exact words, but basically it was, in this world we just need more love, you know? And and if you have to, increase the dose, you know, the dose. And, and it's so important, right? Like, Everybody needs support, mentorship, right? Yeah. Everybody needs resources. Everybody needs more love. And so this is beautiful that CASA is doing this. How long has been CASA been around? So we're a national organization. We were founded back in 1977 um, as a national organization by actually a judge uh, in the dependency court. His name is uh, was David Sukup, uh, Judge David Sukup. And he was having a lot of cases coming across the bench that he didn't have a lot of information on. So he speaks about a case of a three-year-old who had um, some abuse allegations. And he was hearing from the family. He was hearing from the attorneys. But the youth was never really in the courtroom. And so there were a lot of cases where the judge had to make decisions without even knowing what the youth looked like. Um, and so he started this program. He called on community volunteers and 50 people showed up to the first meeting and then CASA was started. And so now we have 950 chapters across the nation. 950 chapters? Yeah, we're represented at 49, 49 states. Wow. Um, and so, yeah, we have over 90,000 dedicated volunteers, I believe. And we each chapter runs independently. So in Orange County, we abide by California CASA and national CASA standards, but we pretty much run independently as a chapter. So this concept or idea that this judge had just... I mean, has grown so much. Yeah, and fun fact, he actually became a CASA when he retired from the bench, which I think is just a testament to the program and how important he felt that CASAs were in his courtroom, that he became a CASA after he retired from the bench as well. Now, is CASA always looking to evolve, grow, in what sense? Like, what is the future of, of what you guys are seeing? Now, we got a couple minutes, mm-hmm. Paul's saying here. So what is the future of CASA? What would you guys like to see? What's the vision? Obviously, we want more volunteers. Obviously, yes. we want more people to get involved. But what's the next step? Well, it's funny that you say that because actually last week we moved to a new office. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, yes. Because of the growth that I think we are experiencing, we are um, sort of stepping up and, and getting bigger. And that's just due to the dedication of our volunteers. The, the last fiscal year we were able to serve, I believe it's 1,590 children um, were served through our programs. And that's just because wow. of our volunteers. And here so, in Orange County. Here in Orange County. Yeah. Wow. Good for you. And, and you know, for everybody listening or watching this show, if you have been a volunteer at CASA or uh, if your staff, you know, mm-hmm. yourself, you know, thank you for what you're doing. Because people need to realize that without these organizations, let's just think of what would happen to all these children, right? Yeah. Unfortunately, they may end up in juvenile hall, homeless, like mm-hmm. you said, right? God forbid they become, I don't know, you know, criminals that now in our society, right? 
will do something unfortunate in our community. So you're impacting our community so much. So thank you to you, your staff, your board. Thank you to this great organization. And I mean that from our community because Mm -hmm. it says a lot, I mean, about how you're bettering our community. Obviously, you're a national company. That's beautiful. But from an Orange County standpoint, Mm -hmm. that says a lot. Yeah, and that's the biggest thing, too, that I feel like you can literally make an impact in your community. By being a, a CASA volunteer, you can make an impact for, uh, you can change the life of a child in your community. And a lot of the times, you know, we get the thank yous and, and everything, but really it's 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 our, it's the kids that are doing uh, the work. It's, it's our volunteers helping them. Um, someone had told us, you know, our volunteers are superheroes, but really it's our volunteers helping the youth find their cape, you know, and it's the youth that are being resilient. It's the youth that are being held accountable by themselves you know and so it's just really important for for me particularly i'm a big believer that we're not here to speak for the child we are here to amplify their voice in court and so it's important that we learn their needs their wants and what it is that they are thinking so that we can then communicate that to all the professionals in the case um i'll i know we're running out of time but i'll end with this um little story we had a youth who was younger and she just wasn't really understanding what her CASA was there to do. And the CASA said, you know, imagine that I have a megaphone and anything that you tell me, I'm going to make sure that it gets out as far and wide as possible and that anyone who needs to hear it will hear it. And I thought that was just a really nice way to encompass the role of a volunteer. So yeah, I think our volunteers are amazing. (laughs) Well, they are superheroes. And I think that by being that mentor, you're helping open so much for them in their lives, right? Yeah. I, I know as just a regular child, I had great mentors, even though I had my parents, I had great coaches, football coaches, for a sure. great teacher. We were just talking about that with my family the other day. I said, if, if I didn't have my English teacher, Ms. Osborne in high school at Century, <laughs> I probably would have never gone to college, you know, things like that. You reminisce now at, you know, almost 50 years old and I talk to this stuff about my to my son. And so please folks, for those listening, Definitely go to Casa OC, volunteer, donate, whatever you can do, help out. Um, Go to the Instagram, go to the website, uh, because this is beautiful what you guys are doing. And again, I want to thank, you know, our special guest here, Norma Mendoza, which is the diversity recruitment coordinator. Um, Thank you for all you're doing, because I think it's, it's key that we continue to have young leaders like yourself continuing to pass the baton right Mm -hmm. and for those of you that just are tuning in with us late uh, CASA is a court appointed special advocates advocates and of course CASA provides a powerful voice and a meaningful connection for children who have experienced abuse neglect and abandonment Norma thank you so much for being with us here today thank you so much I appreciate the time all right folks we'll see you next week Paul take it away sir Well, there you have it. One more good reason to tune in each and every time to meet amazing people and amazing organizations like CASA. As we introduce you to our community, the Hispanic business community here in Orange County, powered by the Orange County Hispanic Chamber of Commerce and Orange County's only community radio station, streaming live from our studios here at the University of California Irvine's Beale Applied Innovation Center.